Welcome to Our Two Cents with MBA. I'm Lori Bruce, Communications Director for the Missouri Bankers Association. Joining us for this episode is U.S. Congressman Blaine Luchtermar, who represents Missouri's 3rd Congressional District in the U.S. House of Representatives. Congressman Luchtermar joins MBA President Jackson Hathaway to discuss the current banking system and environment, FDIC insurance reform, the debt ceiling, CFPB reform, SBA lending, and his work on the House Financial Services Committee. Well, Congressman Luke DeMeyer, thanks for joining us. Uh, you know, our visits with you are uh, far too infrequent in many respects, given how much is happening in our industry. And you certainly have been a, a vocal proponent of allowing Missouri banks to, to remain the healthy and stable parts of their communities that they need to be. But that's been very exciting for the last month, more exciting than we thought it was going to be if you'd asked six months ago. And I know you've been knee deep in everything that the, the, the party is talking about, the Republican Party is talking about, that Congress is considering. And then, of course, we have the debt ceiling popping up and CFPB remaining an issue and the SBA. I mean, everything that you've been on really for the majority of your career is just just front and center right now. So I kind of want to take this in bite sized chunks if we can and have a conversation about these piece by piece. Um, and we'll start with maybe the most uh, pressing, which is. The ongoing question about what's happening with the banking system, you know, the the bank failures of Silicon Valley and Signature and First Republic. And then, of course, we have uh, fears of contagion as the regional banks are, are uh, under a little pressure, maybe a little bit of, uh, of riding the ship there. And in the background of it all, you've got FDIC insurance reform and, and what the regulators are or are not empowered to do. So I kind of wanted to just start by asking you, what's your sense of where where we sit right now? When you look at the banking industry, are we in a better place? Is Congress feeling better about things? Do you think that we're we're in need of more help to get the industry stabilized? Um, I know your voice has been one as a leader on the Financial Services Committee that's been real critical in all those conversations. Well, thank you, Jackson, for the opportunity to be with you and uh, all the, all the bankers today. Um, yeah, it's an interesting time. Um, you know, I was very concerned when this first occurred several weeks ago that, um, you know, the contagion could run through the entire industry. And this has always been my focus. Um, individual bank here and there, you know, and it's it's a sad thing when it goes down. But at the same time, uh, some of these guys bring it on themselves by mismanagement, by trying to go outside the norms. Um, you know, they go they, they have a different group of principles that they try and run a bank by. And the reason it's a principle is it's always been tried and true. And when you go on and you go beyond that principle, you're you're asking for trouble. It's just the way it works. I'm sorry. Um, and so they, they wound up getting themselves in trouble. Um, but I think we found that over uh, the last several weeks that, um, you know, there is a liquidity problem with a lot of mid-sized banks. It appears the small guys are, are in good shape. They don't have that many uninsured deposits. Uh, the big guys are too big to fail. So it's the folks in the middle that have got the problems. And especially if you've got uh, 40 to 50% uninsured deposits. So I think that's what we found. I think that, um, you know, you saw a lot of the banks the first couple of weeks after the crisis that uh, the first couple went down, they ran, ran for some liquidity and that, that propped up the system, which Tells me that they're listening, they're watching, they're 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 aware of what their their balance sheets are, and they could see a risk. And so, to me, uh, you know, we've talked about this a little bit before, I think, with you all. Um, you know, my concern at this point is not with individual banks, but it's with the 
um, the crisis, I think, that could happen because of social media. We've got a situation with social media, which, you know, Silicon Valley, to me, woke me up to the fact that, and I'm not very techie, but I've, I last on this pretty quick, that said, look, within less than 48 hours, there was $42 billion ran out of that bank. And if you go to real-time payments here in another year or two or three, whatever it is, um, that could be done in 42 minutes or 48 minutes instead of 48 hours. So I, I'm very concerned about the new world that we live in and the, what we need to do. And I've told the regulators this already. I said, we don't need to give you any more rules and regulations to 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 operate banks by. But what you need are some tools to to facilitate the industry to be able to ride out a crisis. Um, and so when you have this, you know, one of the things that we're working on, we've got a couple of different bills we're working on right now. One is uh, a 60-day guarantee by the FDIC on all the uh, all the deposits across the board to be able to give them time to help stop everything. Everything slows down. Be able to get you know analyze the crisis and see what's what they need to do. Anything beyond that, they have to come to Congress for. Um, also, have a bill that I think we need to press the SEC. They've got some limited authority to do this, or some there's some language in the law that says they can. But you know, Gensler's thinking he may need a bank by bank basis. But you know, short selling. I think uh, Rob Nichols just uh, wrote a, a, a letter last week to to the SEC saying, hey. You guys, there's still a lot of short selling going on. And, you know, this is this is an area where Gensler could step in and and say, hey, come on now. This is this is not the way that we the market should operate. I'm not against short selling. What I am against is for people to run the market into the ground uh, by by using social media to go after banks that they think are weak or that they can make weak by doing this. And as a result, I sit on a China committee and I. You know, I go one step further and say, well, this could be a national security risk. The Chinese are sitting here watching us play games with ourselves right now. They're they're not dummies. They're watching exactly what we're doing to ourselves, and they're taking notes and saying, aha, we can go in and we can play with the banks and the, and the, and the U.S. economy by short selling, by, by going out here and using social media to drive down some banks and drive people um, to, to do, do runs on banks. And people kind of laugh at me sometimes. Well, Blaine, run that you know runs on banks don't happen anymore. Stop and think now. Two words: toilet paper. Wasn't it just a couple of years ago <laughs> we had a run on toilet paper? Give me a break. And we don't think our money's more important than toilet paper. To me, this is this is an accident waiting to happen with social media the way it is today, and the ability of people to be. Um, Motivated on, on on an instant basis, um, I don't know. That's just I, that's just me. I, I I think we're we're you know we're we're in, I think the the market the the industry itself is still strong. Earnings still are pretty good. Uh, I think things are slowing down. The markets uh, as a whole are slowing them down. The economy is slowing down. But um, I think the big banks and the big towns have got the commercial risks. I think that's where your next problem is going to come from. Um, with commercial real estate. But uh, other than that, I think Missouri is going to be in great shape. I think our, our local economy, as long as we get some good weather and some good rains across the Midwest, while our crops are going to be okay, um, you know, we, we'll be fine. But um, I think, you know, um, this administration is hell-bent on keeping inflation high in spite of what the Fed does. And I don't know what, what um, Powell's going to do. I <laughs> The other day, you know, he was in our committee right after this all happened, 
And I don't know if I tell you the story, if I apologize if I have, but, you know, I asked him the question. I said, Mr. Chairman, I say, you've got the same problem as all these banks out here right now with, by, by not being liquid. You've got yourself upside down on your rates. And in fact, you're losing money today, aren't you? He said, yeah, I am. And so I asked him the question. I said, well, how are you going to pay your bills when you're not making any money? So I would just print more. It's like, are you kidding me? And so then I asked the question about the CFPB. I said, you do realize that you got your quarterly payment. This is right, right at the end of March. You do have your quarterly payment you're going to have to make for the CFPB. And that's supposed to be out of revenues, Mr. Chairman. That's supposed to be out of revenues. You don't have any revenues to make that payment. What are you going to do? He just shrugged. So the Fed is in a box. They're in, they're in trouble themselves. And they're still going to go out here and... and and continue to raise rates at least for a while, if not maybe pause a little bit here in the near future. But uh, this administration is going to continue with high gas prices, high and and, and keep you know they'll keep uh, other things up for a while. Um, they want to keep spending more money. You know we're in a debt situation now, and our debt limit bill that we're trying to work on here is you know we've got the support of the American people behind this, so we're going to we're going to think we're going to win this debate finally. <laughs> we're about we're about um, 16 and one or something like that against us here. We, we, we're not doing very good when it comes to, to winning debates with the other <laughs> side, but I think we may have a good shot on this one. Yeah. And I, I do want to come back to the debt ceiling in just a second. Uh, I was going to say two things that uh, you said, I know have come up around the state and our bankers are interested in that, uh, that uh, you, you caught in there and really it became three. Once you start talking about the need for some rain, let's cross our fingers that we, we get some rain out there for our farmers here in Missouri. Number one, the the speed of these bank failures caused, you know, whether directly or or contributed to through social media, uh, you are just spot on that that is a, a thing we never seen before. And now we in China and everybody else has seen just how you can destabilize any of these entities. And then when you tack in the real time payment flows, you know, money can go in and out of an institution in milliseconds and you wouldn't have a, a warning system. There's no way to know whether, especially if it's overnight or over the weekends. And um, I, I'm curious, do you see the the regulators thinking about this or people in Congress talking about it? I mean, I, I really appreciate the comment. We don't need more regulation, but you said the tools to do things or to, to help the industry. Do you, are they taking those concerns seriously from your perspective or is there more work to be done by FDIC, the Fed, Treasury, um, you know, your package of bills, as you're describing, or the stuff you might be working on certainly sounds like good steps in that direction. But are others in the, the space with you? <laughs> well, some are, some aren't. It's uh, it's fair enough. It's, it's yeah. been it's been a it's been a tough slog because as long as they, they you know, the bank on the corner that they bank in is still going well, they don't they don't see a threat. Uh, as long as um, you know, there's plenty of money in the system. They don't see a threat. They don't realize what can happen. Um, that's the problem whenever you're an old gray haired like me, you've been around long enough that you've seen a lot of these things happen. And, um, you know, a lot of these younger legislators, they, they don't see the risk. They don't see the problem uh, for, like I do, that, that it can happen and there are things in place that will allow it to happen. Uh, so I, I'm constantly working to try and get people to wake up to that fact. Uh, not being super successful so far, but we're, we're getting there. The regulators um, are finally awakening to that. Uh, we've had some, a lot of them in our committees already and been talking with them all and uh, 
um, they're starting to, to wake up to the fact that, yeah, they need to do something. But that being said, Gensler doesn't, he wouldn't, he don't want to do anything. He, he is stuck in the mud and he is one that is endangering the entire system with um, not being willing to be in short selling because there's, as I read and I talk to different people around the industry, uh, around the country, um, there are being banks being picked on every day. They're being set up to be, to be destabilized. And, um, you know, if it's a one by one approach, nobody's going to say anything. Uh, but if you, but if the Chinese get out here and figure out what's going on, you know, we've got anywhere from 90 to 180 banks that are, you know, not very liquid position, although they've, they've got some liquidity back now, but they were, were in a pretty difficult spot. They could go out there and they could go pick out, you know, 50 or 60 of those, start a run pretty quick, and all of a sudden the whole thing collapses. Um, now, I don't want that to happen. I think that, you know, I'm trying to figure out how we can salvage this and wake people up to put things in place to be precautionary, to be proactive, but we'll see. We'll keep working at it. I well, appreciate the pressure you're putting on uh, on the regulators and your fellow legislators to think about these risks and, and what needs to happen to keep them from becoming catastrophic. <clears throat> and Yeah, Rob Nichols did put out a letter to Chairman Gensler telling them to investigate possible market manipulation, and we certainly support that in the efforts to, if short selling is being directed um, or social media is being used to support short sellers, there is there. I think that's pretty clear market manipulation on banks that otherwise, you know, three months ago you would have said, heck, even now you look at their fundamentals still sound, and yet for some reason there's a lot of activity around them, and it doesn't really add up when you you think about the way the market's supposed to work. You yeah. know, there was a mm-hmm. – okay. go ahead. No, I think I think that you know they're the bankers are the last ones to tell you that they're they've got a problem. And one of the bank one of the bills we're going to offer too yeah. is to keep the Fed facility up and running so that there's access to to uh, liquidity in a, in, a, in a more quick fashion than what has been. You know, a lot of them don't want to go there because it thinks it targets them as a. But you can go to the Federal Home Loan Bank and do the same thing, and they'll know that as well. So the bottom line is. If, you're, if you want to keep your bank and in, in, in put in a solvent position, and you don't want these these uh, these guys playing funny business with it out there, you need to you need to be doing some stuff. So, I think it's it's another way we can at least uh, have have a facility out there that can give access to some some quick liquid uh, liquid funds. <clears throat> well, that that kind of teases up for the next question. You've you've hit this a little bit already. Uh, certainly everybody, I think right now in our industry and around the country is talking about the debt ceiling. They may not understand it when they talk about it, but they're certainly talking about it over dinner tables. And Treasury recently said June 1 may be the earliest, you know, X date that we're facing, maybe as far out as August. And uh, uh, kind of non-political entity came out today and reaffirmed that. And we know that on the day of this recording, Speaker McCarthy is heading up to uh, the White House to meet with President Biden. And nobody has high hopes for what that meeting is going to achieve. Maybe we'll all be surprised. But uh, your party has put forth a pretty strong uh, uh, budget that includes cuts in spending, and that's the negotiating position they're walking into the White House with. I'm, I'm just curious, what are your expectations around the debt ceiling? You know, number one, do you think we we kind of go through this process, but ultimately do come away with a solution that avoids falling off the fiscal cliff? And then number two, you know, do you do you see a place where the administration bends and we do get some cuts in spending? No, I, I think, you know, our bill was uh, that, that that we put together was a cut four point eight trillion dollars out of uh, out of the the budget over the next. Uh, and we didn't really didn't do that much over the next 10 years. I mean, it, 
Um, these people want to continue to have a blank check. It's like maxing out a credit card and turn around and get a new credit card to go out and go max out again. I mean, this is this is insanity. Um, and the neat part of it is that um, Schumer over in the Senate's got himself in a box. Uh, Feinstein is sick, and he's got so that's down to 51. He's got Cinema and Mansion who are going to go along with us, so he's down to 49. So he didn't have the votes to go out here and 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 play around. And so I think you know McCarthy's got him over a barrel. And so we're going to get something. I don't know what kind of uh, negotiated end they're going to get to here. Um, you know, Biden has been doing all this talking about it. It's all bluster. Uh, he knows better than that. That's what he's going to have to give in on this. Uh, at the end of the day, it's leadership on the president's part. It's not us who are the problem children here. And the American people are on our side of this. We normally lose these battles, but we're going to win this one because the American people have shown over and over again with the poll after poll that they are they are supportive of cutting the spending. We've got work requirements in there to be able to qualify for federal programs. Recently, um, that, that poll is about 70 percent, by the way. But in Wisconsin, about a month ago, they had a general election and it was on the ballot for state jobs or state programs, excuse me, state programs. And it passed over 80 percent. And that's in a that's in a swing state. So the things that we're asking for in there are not they're not out of line. We're going to get rid of 87,000 IRS agents that are going to snoop in your income tax returns. Stop the half a trillion dollar student loan giveaway. Uh, back off on some of this green stuff. Uh, go back to some of the the bills of previous years on budgets on how this should be run. So, you know, if you if you were able to run the government on this amount of money a year or two ago, I don't know why you can't go back to it again today. What mm-hmm. what in the world? Uh, so, I I think that we're going to get something. Um, you know, and McCarthy sold this to us uh, as a group by saying, look, uh, there are some things you can put in here. Um, and some things I wish you wouldn't put in here because, and we'll, we'll I'll put in what you want, but some things that you that you guys want to put in here are things that open up the door for the other side to come in and, and make bigger demands and and have uh, and point at us with some fingers that that we don't want to open up some issues we don't want to open up. So let's work together to form to put a bill together that minimizes their ability to come after us on anything, uh, things that the American people agree on. Uh, these are significant cuts. When you get $4.8 trillion over 10 years, that's a pretty hefty cut. That's, you know, about a half a trillion dollars a year. So, um, yeah, the president's going to have to come to the table. Uh, he's going to have to share some leadership, which he hasn't, um, he hasn't done that in two plus years here. So this will be unique for him. But, um, yeah, I think we're going to be we're going to be fine. We're going to get something done here. Is this the package we're going to end up with? Probably not. Uh, but I, you know, as McCarthy was was talking about, I said, look, you know, we're gonna we're gonna horse trade on this thing when it gets down to it's gonna go to the Senate. They're they're gonna probably do some things to it. So we'll go to conference on it then. When we go to conference, that's where the horse trading will begin. So he could he could put some more stuff in it too before it's over with, but not not take stuff out. So I mean, he he's pretty open to whatever it takes. But there will be some cuts. There that's there will be some cuts, or we will not pass up the debt limit package. We cannot keep going down this road. Now, every poll we've seen certainly supports what you're saying uh, for, I don't remember, the first time in my career, very clear indications that the American people are ready for some spending constraint. They are no longer supportive of just wide open spigots. And I think inflation has certainly fed into that feeling and then just yep. generally feeling like the debt load is so high, we'll literally never be able to pay it off at this point. Uh, I think you've got pretty good backing. 
I think that's why we'll win this one because American people are behind it. You know, you can say easy sell for them. You know, we've been talking about this IRS agents for a long time. Student loans polls well. Uh, they work requirements pull well. Uh, this is stuff that people like to, to. They want us to do, and so it's all wrapped in one bill. They understand you keep can't 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 keep spending like drunken sailors, and so they're on board with what we're trying to do here. So I think we've actually got a good shot to get some of this stuff done. Well, I want to make sure we we capture two other topics I know are important to you, at least two, uh, and they both have to do with your committee assignments. Uh, you know, you, of course, hold an important role in the Financial Service Committee. You're also on the Small Business Committee. I want to turn towards your favorite agency on the planet, the CFPB, and all the efforts underway, appreciated by our, our industry deeply, to rein in what has to be the most overactive and well beyond its reach regulator on the planet. So can you give us a sense for where you think things stand right now with CFPB, the legislation you've been working on initiatives to, to roll back uh, at least some of their authority? You know, we've got pending court cases out there, but um, from your vantage point, how are things looking and, and what's the target looking like as you go after CFPB's regulatory reach? Yeah, we're we're trying to rein them in a little bit. I think those the bills that we've got, we've got a package of them. I've got two or three in there, you know, the deals with the uh, the commission, put them on budget, uh, inspector general, uh, and there's a couple other ones that I think are, are very going to be very impactful with regards to how that agency could be operating. But I think end of the day, I think what you see happen, um, I think the Supreme Court will throw out the funding mechanism. And then it's a matter of how far they go beyond that. You know, are they going to throw out the entire agency? Or are they just going to go back and say, Congress, you can't do what you just did. Therefore, go back and fix your funding mechanism. Um, and so it could be anything in between there somewhere. So I, I don't know this what this agency or this 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 court will do, but I, I feel pretty strongly that they uh, they'll be on our side with regards to saying that the funding mechanism is unconstitutional. And when that happens, I think having these bills ready to go is going to be very important because we have a program that way. And and this is why we filed all these bills to let the 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 court, the justices know that there is a plan in place for how we can reform this agency. Not that want to, you know, we all love to see it go away completely. But if you if you have a plan in place that could reform it so it could comply with the Constitution, uh, they they may be much more amenable to to looking at going beyond just um, this the funding mechanism. So uh, I think it's really important that we send the message. I know some of our members say, well, we need to get rid of it all together. That's fine. I agree with that too. And I don't think uh, Ted Cruz has got a bill to do away with it. I think somebody else has got a bill in our committee to do away with it. And I, that's fine. I support that. But I think um, that sends a chill to the, to the justices knowing that um, I, I don't know how they think, but I would I would assume that there would probably be something along the lines that, you know, there there probably needs to be some sort of consumer protection because Congress set this up. There was intent there for for uh, an agency to deal with consumer protections. Therefore, there needs to be something along that line in place. Now, what it looks like will still be up to Congress, but uh, as long as it falls in line with the Constitution, I think we can get away with a lot of things. But I think. The bottom line is that whenever they throw this out, it, it puts everybody back at the table uh, to start rearranging how that thing works. Uh, and so um, I would certainly like to be at that table uh, so, so I should have my 
have my druthers on that because I know that um, our good Senator Warren from Massachusetts is going to want to be at the table too, and she's going to want to salvage all of it. That ain't going to happen because we got the Republicans in charge of the House, so we're she's going to she's going to get stuck with kind of like they're going to get stuck with this uh, debt limit bill here. We're, I think we'll have a good shot to get a lot of changes in there. I think it's very politically savvy to give the justices uh, at least a sense that there is reform option uh, in the in the halls waiting uh, versus just a path to nothing if they completely invalidate and there's no clear direction to go from there. So um, to the degree and extent that we all wish it would just go away as a backup plan to just make sure it functions more correctly as it as it is just another federal agency. You know, we certainly will be behind your bill package. Uh, and I know I speak for our membership when we say we appreciate you and all the efforts you put underway to get the CFPB back. And we'll be supporting all the lawsuits, every which one of them we can find to get behind <laughs> to, to rein them in. And I would be I would be uh, 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 irresponsible. I didn't say you've you've told crowds of bankers many times over that the best uh, method to rein them in is to go after them in court. There's only so much that can be done legislatively and and you have to be willing to kind of pony up at the table and and bring the the forces to bear on them that that only the courts can. So fingers crossed we see some good resolution there, but uh, certainly been good counsel. And now we see how it plays out. Well, I, you know, I, I, I counsel that way a lot. And you're 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 right. I think. You know, there's only so much that we can do from this side of the table. It's it's your side that can take them to court. It has the standing to be able to do that. And, um, you know, if you get something there and get it changed, why, you know, that's that's as effective as anything we can do. And that's that's the part that the that the courts can play. It's the check and balance system on everything. And you need to take take advantage of that part of the check and balance system as well. So I applaud you and uh, your agency and your association and all your members and ABA and all the other groups out there that are that are suing the heck out of folks, go for it. Um, this, as I said a number of times, I mean this this group in charge right now will will do anything that they they want to do, and, and and they will challenge you then to sue them to rein them in because that's the only way it's going to be reined in. They they know that they the Congress is 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 not going to be able to do anything for them, so they've got to, you've got to have the courts to be the check on them, and if you don't utilize that check. They're going to get away with everything. Let's turn to another federal agency, this one that falls more in alignment with your small business committee assignment, uh, the SBA. The SBA has uh, opened up 7A lending to non-banks, and of course, they they want to be direct lenders themselves. So uh, I'm, I'm curious, what are your thoughts right now on SBA and the, the practices you're seeing at that agency and what you're trying to accomplish <laughs> on your committee with the SBA? Well, if you haven't watched any of my small business committee hearings, <laughs> watched a number of them. <laughs> you, 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 you've been missing some uh, opportunities to see me get really mad. Yeah. <laughs> you know this, this is this is idiotic what they're doing with fintechs. You know the fintechs were the problems in the uh, the PPP situation. Um, you know, and and so we've. I I went after the director unmercifully in the last hearing on this. We are we have written a letter to her as a follow up requesting information on all the fintechs that were in the PPP program and all the fintechs that they're anticipating and all the problems with every single one of them and how they were all analyzed, how they were all graded out, and what their anticipated uh, group of fintech uh, folks who are going to be involved in this program who they were going to be. And I want to know what's going on. And so, and then from the standpoint of their direct lending, 
I've never ever been in charge or are supportive of is better and supportive of uh, direct lending by the federal government in any way, shape, or form. This group, these people have no idea that what to do when it comes to direct lending. Uh, I remember when I was examiner back in the 70s, you know, the direct lending by FHA drove the agricultural industry into the ditch. It ruined our agricultural economy for 10 years, and they finally went away because they didn't know how to do direct lending. So um, here we are talking about it again, and they they should be, I've said for a long time, they should be nothing more than a guarantor. They should never make a single loan. They should always be just a guarantor for uh, banks or other entities that they want to make to make those loans. They don't know what they're doing when it comes to that. Uh, they don't know how to analyze a credit. Um, they don't know how to know your customer. Uh, they get ripped off much more than what the banks do. But this is a, you know, not to be cynical, but to be quite frankly, the, tell you the way it is, this is a way for the administration to pour more money into certain areas. They just let money go to people who may or may not qualify. And then they, after the fact, they say, well, Chuck's still gone. We missed the boat on that one. Well, no, no, no. You should never have made the loan to begin with. You knew it was going to be, it was going to be a bad loan. But when you, you can qualify for something and there's no way to stop it from happening like it was the old, old FHA, if you're breathing and you walk in there and you could you could sign papers while you got you got your money. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm absolutely horrified at this those two scenarios. And I have been after the director unmercifully to try and stop them. But um, unfortunately, they're doing it through their own rulemaking process. And and so we'll we'll see once what happens. I would encourage everyone to go see some videos of you and the small business committee <laughs> uh, <laughs> grilling the director of the SBA. It is, it is well worth the uh, at least the awareness that somebody out there sees the insanity for what it is when you and you consider all the fraud that ran through PPP and those fintech firms and now opening up 7A to them. Just the silliness of, of the decisions being made kind of strike you as as obvious. And yet and yet still the SBA marches forward. So. I would say it's another area where you're going to have to watch for actions to be taken because it, it can only go on so long before, you know, people wake up. Well, it's going to take a change in administration before you change that 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 mm. perspective. You know, mm. you have a you have a you have a lady in there right now who's the administrator. And I asked her the other day, I said, you know, do you talk to the president and ever talk about his the effects of his policies on small business? Oh, yeah, yeah. We talked to the administration. No, that's what I ask. So when was the last time you had a meeting with the president? You and him sitting down across the table and you being able to talk to him about his effect of his policies on his programs. Have you ever sat down across the table with him since he's been in office? Can't get an answer, which tells you she's never done it. And so then my comeback is, well, that's your job. So you're 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 asleep with the switch here on your derelict or your duty here to represent the small business community to the to the administration. So. What's your job? Sit there and come to here and make speeches? You're not doing your job. That's the problem. So well, we go around and around and around. But it's very frustrating to see someone who is in that position, who does not advocate for the small businesses that she represents. So the small businesses are left out there like a ship without a rudder. Mm-hmm. They're just going wherever the administration takes them now um, and wherever they can throw the money at whichever group they want to throw it at, which I mean, that's not the purpose of the agency. The agency the is there to help entrepreneurs, help small businesses get off the ground and get running, help them get through some rough spots, 
<clears throat> this is this they want to turn an agency into a welfare agency where they can just start handing out dollars to whatever group of people they want. It's it's awful. Well, Congressman, I want to be sensitive to your time. I know we're running up against our limit with you. Um, and there are 17 other questions I could ask you because there's so much going on. Uh, and of course, we'll be there. Well, you'll, you'll have to you'll have to schedule another one then, Jackson. That's, I agree with you wholeheartedly. <laughs> and we'll certainly be there in October to visit with you uh, and bring a group of bankers up. But uh, you're always welcome at MBA meetings and events. We uh, certainly appreciate any time you can give us. I do want to open the floor for, uh, you know, of all the topics I could keep going on, things that you want to say uh, to the bankers out there, or the folks in Missouri and uh, um, any closing comments you have. We haven't touched on ESG or, or uh, you know, any, uh, my, a little bit on China, but maybe not as much as we could have. But just generally open the door to you to, to make any closing comments you'd like to make. Well, Jackson, thank you for your hard work and thank you for uh, organizing this today. Um, you know, from the standpoint of, of, of the bankers on the call, um, hang in there. You know, we're going to continue to fight for you. Uh, but as Jackson said earlier, you're going to fight for yourself as well. That means you have to support you know, his team of people and the ABA and all the other banking organizations that that help fight the fight for you. You have to be a participant. You can't be on the sidelines cheering. You got to be in there, in there with them and helping them do their job. And so, uh, it's important we're all on the same team, all pulling the wagon the same way. This administration is hell bent on trying to redo the banking industry, and um, uh, it's not pretty what what they want to do. So, uh, don't hesitate to give my office a call. If you got any questions, concerns? Uh, yeah, we've got a we've got a ton of other issues to talk about. Um, uh, China is, a, is still a looming threat. Um, I sit on the China Select Committee. We played war games the other night. Had a company come in that this did a simulated war game for us. I had a retired general that played the chief of staff. Ooh, it didn't end Ooh. well. Um, so we've got a, we've got a lot of things on our plate right now as a as a country, as a society, as an industry that um, we've we got to be wary of and and make sure we all um, work hard to try and, and, and keep at bay. But the Chinese are a very real threat, very real threat. They are, uh, in fact, today I saw an article that they're now getting Argentina to be able to accept payments in Yuan. Uh, that was Brazil the other day. This is, this is shoring up one of the two weaknesses they have, which is one is energy, the other one is food. So they're going to South America to get their food from Argentina and Brazil and and you're able to pay in yuan instead of dollars. And so it helps their currency from the standpoint of raise its value in the world. Uh, they're, they're getting buddy buddy with the Middle East and with Russia on their energy. So if you take a look at that for what it's worth. I mean, they're, they're shoring themselves up. They're getting their allies closer, getting them all sucked in, getting yuan to be a reserve currency so that. Let's face it, they go into Taiwan, they can exist without anything else. They've got their own friends, their own economy that they can they can work around the world with and they don't need us. So um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not a huge optimist on that situation. I, I think you've got to figure out how to deter them. And I'm not sure that we can deter them. They're, they're hell bent on doing something. Uh, President Z is he wants to make a name for himself. He wants to leave a legacy. Uh, that's never good. That's never good when you got a leader that wants to leave a legacy because they usually make some really bad choices. But at least for humanity's sake, they make bad choices. So anyway, um, but no, just give us a call if we can be helpful. Look forward to your October visit or you want to talk someplace, you know, sometime in between time. Well, give me give me give me a call.
<laughs> we will. Thank you, Congressman. I appreciate everything you do. Appreciate your service and your longstanding commitment to the industry.